Welcome to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable with your host, Mindy Harley. Warning, listening to this podcast might cause you to shatter your limited beliefs, recognize your potential, and motivate you to be the best you can be. Other side effects may include, but not limited, to grabbing right by the balls, taking no crap from anyone, becoming an unstoppable force, and various aha moments to get you thinking outside the box. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. I'm your host, Mindy Harley, and thank you for tuning in during your day, guys. As always, I appreciate you here. And today's guest, very special boss woman. And I want to ask you guys, what would you do if the industry that you're currently working in just tanked one day? You had no job, no income coming in. What would you do? Well, this is exactly what happened when the oil and gas industry took a devastating blow, and thousands of people lost their jobs, were laid off, and were left without work to feed their families. Well, this one boss lady decided that she would turn a negative into a positive. And when asking herself if she would still be happy in 20 years doing what she's doing, she decided to listen to that answer and take a bold move that would see her going across the country to start anew. With your guest today, Julie Harish, I am so excited for you guys to listen in on episode 16. Here we go. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. And today's guest, I am so pumped to have her on. She is the epitome of being unfuckwithable. I have Julie Harish with me right now. Chief Idea Officer of Six Cycle in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Julie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for coming on. So, you know what? You've been uh, working away here in Toronto for quite a while now. It's been, I think, what you started the transition maybe in the spring to Toronto. And you guys started up Six Cycle in Toronto, and you're originally from Calgary. So how was the idea of Six Cycle born, and how long did it take to go from idea to fruition? So um, my husband and I are both, we're both working in oil and gas, and the industry hit a major downturn at the beginning of 2015. Sheldon lost his job, Sheldon's my husband, um, lost his job in February of 2015, and that kind of lit a spark Um for us to, to maybe find something new and find something new outside of the industry. At that time, he decided to go back to school and went into holistic nutrition, which from engineering to holistic nutrition is basically the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. So that really started the idea that we didn't have to stay in oil and gas and stay in engineering forever. Um, and then as time went on, we kind of were starting to think about what could we do that would be a long-term solution um and allow us to to do something that we love and just sort of sitting around talking my favorite part of the day was when I taught spin and so we were like how can we make that into into a full-time thing um so six cycle wasn't ever it, it was never really planned to come to Toronto it was just like we wanted to do something in fitness something to, to get us out of of our corporate jobs but what where that was wasn't really 
set up yet. So I came to Toronto in June of 2016 on an unrelated business trip and decided that I was going to check out all the cool boutique spin studios that Toronto had to offer and was kind of shocked at the time that they didn't really have much to offer. And so that is what lit the spark and, and really was like, oh my God, this is what we need to do. And so I was having post-work drinks with a colleague and Six Psycho was kind of born on a napkin. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and then I remember calling Sheldon at like midnight being like, oh my God, we're going to do this. We're moving to Toronto and we're going to open a spin studio and we're going to call it Six Cycle. And he was like, what? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's kind of how it started. And then it just grew from there. We hired a realtor to, to find some um, places to look at here. And then I came out, Sheldon and I came out in, um, in July. So a month and a half later to look at them. And we fell in love with the space that we're at now on Queen West. It was actually the first place we looked at. Oh, wow. And we kind of got out and and toured around the neighborhood a little bit. And we were like, Oh my God, I think this is it. And we looked at a bunch of others and then came back to this one twice. And we're like, no, this is this is where we want to be. This is the neighborhood we want to be in. And it, it, so far it's worked out. We are on the far west end of Toronto and we are one of the only fitness studios this far west. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's an up and coming area and I, I just, we see the community grow week over week. So we kind of, I feel like we hit the jackpot without knowing that we hit the jackpot at the time. That's amazing. And for those that don't know Toronto and where you're located, I mean, it's, it's really got like I've been there myself and it's really got a, like a really awesome vibe. And it was, was it part of that kind of that vibe, that feeling, I mean, that kind of drew you in there. It just kind of felt like home or what was like kind of like the initial thoughts when you first arrived there? The, the part of my vision for whatever business I was going to do at the time was a community. I wanted to build a fitness community that was tight knit, that was, that, you know, where friendships are made in the change rooms kind of thing. And when I stepped out of the car in this neighborhood, I could just, I could see that. It just seemed like a community. It's very neighborhoody, lots of small businesses. There was no major chains up until about three months ago or four months ago when the Metro opened down the street. There, it was all been small businesses, including grocery stores. So it was that feeling of like, okay, these people support each other. They're obviously very community oriented. This is, this is our place. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so, I mean, you could have essentially set this up in Calgary. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And I guess there was a number of reasons as to why we didn't. Um, first reason being I never would have left my corporate job. I would have built a business and continued working. For I would have made reasons why it was okay to stay working and never really let go and kind of stayed in that safety bubble, that comfort zone, which – learning now owning a business would never it just wouldn't have worked you have to go all in yeah or nothing at all and Calgary at the time when we were starting this was in a major economic downturn so disposable income is dropping um fitness studios were popular so the the competition was steep I also I taught spin at a studio in Calgary so for me to then go and open up a studio in the same city I, I just it didn't didn't feel right it just didn't make sense. So when it was, spin was kind of the thing that I wanted to do, but it was like, well, maybe we'll do something else. And it wasn't until I came here that we were like, okay, yes, we're going to do spin and we're going to do this in Toronto. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, you know, it served as such a catalyst for you to, you know, 
break away and fully dive right into, you know, committing yourself 100% into the business. And that's, and you, I mean, that's really, you know, you have a lot of respect for like your fellow business owners in Calgary, not being like, yo, I'm just going to open up my own shop here, guys. (laughs) How are you doing? So yeah, that's really, I mean, that's really, you know, uh, noble of you as well to to do that and decide to do that elsewhere. I think just to, out, of, out of respect for you know where you were where you were working before doing doing spin as well. So you know you've you've given up you know your whole life in Calgary. You know you've uprooted. You know both of you guys have uprooted. Have gone to Toronto. You know what what motivates you to get up and go to work every single morning? Exactly that. We sold everything we owned. We gave up our entire lives to make this happen. And that that, that right there motivates me to get up and, and make it happen. Um, it's also super cool to see a community growing. Like when we started here, we didn't know anybody in Toronto. We just started from nothing and then making friends through like training our instructors. So when I put out posts on Instagram to find people to teach they became friends and then their friends come to spin and their friends become friends and just watching that community grow and in front of you motivates me to get up yeah and work because the harder I work the the cooler it becomes and the bigger it becomes and it's pretty awesome that is amazing that is pretty damn awesome um you know and what is you know and I'm sure you've made a lot of sacrifices along the way what's what's kind of been like one of the major sacrifices that you've yeah you've gone through right now just to to make your dream possible literally selling everything so Sheldon and I came from owning our own home and you know having a furnished home to moving to a a Parkdale apartment Um, I guess for those not familiar with Toronto Parkdale is kind of got the the stigma of I don't like using the word, but ghetto. <laughs> I, I personally love it. I think it's it's got a lot of cool things happening. Yeah. Um, but it's it's definitely got the, the stigma when you tell people in Toronto that you live in Parkdale. They're like, oh, Parkdale. <laughs> so we went from, you know, from having jobs and, and income to moving to a Parkdale apartment. We don't have furniture. We have a bed and a kind of a makeshift table. We don't have a couch. We don't have any of that kind of stuff. So literally giving up everything to make this work. Yes, you're and, totally on bare bones. Yeah. Wow. That also motivates me to get up and work. <laughs> I need a couch. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to sit somewhere other than my bed. Okay, go. Ready, go. So ready, go. What does a typical day look like for you? So we open, we have classes starting at seven o'clock in the morning. So Sheldon and I usually get up about quarter to six. Um, it's quite rushed in the morning. It's usually a, oh my God, we're late. We got to do this. Throw a piece of bread in the toaster, feed the cats, run out the door eating our breakfast on the way to the studio. Yeah. Uh, get here for about 6.30. People start coming in 6.40. Um, and then depending on the day, sometimes we'll get a chance to, to get out of here and, and go and do some admin work either at home or at a coffee shop, or sometimes it's towel folding and shoe cleaning and bike maintenance and mopping and whatever else needs to happen. Yeah. So we're usually here from 6.30 in the morning, and then our last class finishes around 8 p.m., and then we're here till about 9. And you go home. Typically. 
and then go home, lather, rinse, repeat. And then on the weekends, we get a little bit of a break. Saturdays, our first class isn't until 8.30. And then Sundays, not until 9.40. So Sundays feel like a huge, huge sleep in. And the classes are finished at 1 o'clock. So it's like a, sh- a short day and a sleep in. It's kind of like, it's like Christmas. Very nice. Yeah, you get that little bit of a, a recharge for as much as you possibly can on a Sunday before, you know, waking up and doing it all over again on a Monday. So throughout like this, you know, as you said, you're, you're in a rush, things are, you know, you're eating your breakfast on the go, you know, and I mean, your, your classes run all the way till eight o'clock at night. And throughout all this, you know, you're, you're running the day, you know, make sure to run the day or the day doesn't run you. What was one of the biggest setbacks that, that, you know, initially was like, holy shit, but actually turned into a blessing for you? So when we were originally coming here, I had this vision of like training my instructors in like in a really cool space, like maybe a gym or something. And then we'd spoken to our um, our design team and we're like, hey, maybe we could build out the spin room first and we could train them there. And they were like, yeah, OK, cool. And then as things started to kind of unravel, I realized that we didn't we didn't have that opportunity. And this is where Parkdale is a blessing. Um, we have a main floor apartment that was built in 1959 and back then the living room apparently was the best room in the house because we were able to fit 16 spin bikes in that living room and train our people at home in our apartment on the weekends, which then turned into us becoming a tighter knit family, um, kind of starting from the bottom, becoming our brand story, becoming just like our story, which ended up being the most amazing thing at the end. Like when we finally opened, it was like, oh my God, we started training in my living room and here we are in a 50 bike studio with cool lights and a cool sound system. Yeah. We're doing it. So, so every, like, and what did, did anyone be like, you know, was anyone like, whoa, wait, we're, we're training in a living room. Was there kind of any, everybody was like that at the beginning. They're like, wait, (laughs) what? that's your house. And I was like, just bear with me. We'll make it through. And I think after the first day, people were kind of, people thought it was kind of cool. Like, I mean, we had the instructor bike was in the kitchen and our, our fold out kitchen table became a, like a media stand where we put a box so you could fit a laptop on. And we were using, um, Bluetooth speakers set out through the room because it was winter. Thank God we didn't have to deal with the Toronto heat. So we just had the windows open and fans blowing and a, a dehumidifier in the corner. And it just, it seemed to work. But. Oh my gosh. So that, yeah. was, that was in the winter you were training. Yeah, we tra- We started training in January um, and then finished up just before we opened in April. Holy shit. Yeah, wow. so I was still working my corporate job until basically until the night before we opened. Um, we f- I was flying back and forth, flying to Toronto on Thursday night, training instructors Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then going back to Calgary on the red eye to work on Monday morning which is my point of why we didn't set up in Calgary. Cause I would have continued to do stuff like that. And it's just, it's not sustainable. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have been able to give like, you know, 110% into the business and yeah, that <laughs> you would have worked yourself thin too. I mean, really let's be honest here. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly it. And the things that I learned is that this takes so much more than I ever thought it would take. And you just can't give it if you have something else that's occupying your time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so be now that you're 
you know, into this whole entrepreneurship and, you know, <laughs> it's, you're, you're now like, you know, you're, you've been up and running, you know, it's been, you know, almost, so we're kind of on a year anniversary then since January of the training. So what is one thing that you wish someone told you about entrepreneurship um, that you think that might have changed your mind on taking this path? Honestly, there, there's nothing that would have changed my mind. I, I'm one of those people that when it's made up, it's made up and yeah. there's very little you can do to change it. Um, I definitely underestimated the amount of time and effort and I don't like, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's not just, you know, teaching spin and, and running a studio. It is 24 seven. It is coming home and, and doing payroll at midnight the night before it's due because you didn't have time. It's, um, like eating your breakfast while you're running out the door. It's all of it. It's every ounce of energy that you have gets put into it. And I was kind of like, Oh yeah, you know, we're going to open the spin studio and it's going to be work, but it's going to be worth it. And of course it's worth it. But I didn't realize the work part was just what it was, you know? Yeah. You kind of had this like glamorous idea of what it was going to be like. And then you got here and you're like, okay, so it is still cool, but it's 10 times more work than I thought it would be in my head. Yeah. And I mean, you've obviously, I think I, from, you know, from what I've seen, I mean, you've obviously done an amazing job with it. I mean, you're, you're still growing, you're still within that first year of growth. And I think you guys, you know, as far as long term, I think you guys are going to be such a big brand in Toronto. But where do you see yourself, you know, in the next five years? Where do you see Six Cycle? So I have, I have plans for expansion. My, my thought process is if you're not growing, you're dying. Um, my plans are sort of tight lipped, but to say that, I guess what I can say is that we are going to grow. It may not necessarily be spin only. I have other ideas for different types of, of group fitness that I can sort of tie into a six brand. Oh, I like yeah. it. Mm. So we'll leave it at that. Maybe we'll revisit <laughs> this in a year. <laughs> We'll come, we'll come back to this in a year and see what we've got. So, you know, you know, you've got, you've got these plans for your business and stuff like that. I mean, you've, you've got your, you know, your long-term goals, um, for, for six. Um, what do you absolutely make no compromises on with your business? So I guess from everybody has a vision and that vision grows and evolves and, there's always input from outside and you know, you, you see things that work and that don't work and you, you change it on the fly as you go sometimes. So the one thing that I've had as a vision from the beginning that I won't let go on, as I said before, is that community. So when we first started, we sort of started in Toronto at the same time as a few other studios. We all had the same idea. We kind of all opened at the same time. Um, and their vibe is more of an exclusive, like, cool kids type club yeah yeah and less community more about the you know I want to be part of this like really cool space but not an inclusive space and we had a little bit of a bad rap at the start for classes being and I'm quoting this classes were easy because we were nice huh. and I was like well classes are here aren't easy I will definitely speak to that um but it's because we were nice that you gave that vibe of you know like we're going in and we're helping you set up your bike and we're going in and we're you know welcoming you by name and 
making a point to remember your name and remember your shoe size and greet you when you come in. And it just kind of gave this overall nice vibe, which is exactly what I wanted. But at the time people were like, Oh, it's not as like hardcore. And then as things grew and, and as time went on, those people that had labeled us that as that at the beginning started to trickle back in and be like, you know, I went there. I'm tired of it. I really like the community vibe. I like you guys know my name. I like that people talk to me in the change room. I like that, you know, people high five me on the bike after class. So that was one of the things that I was like, I will not let go of making this a community and making sure that everybody's included. And I don't care where you come from or how many spin classes you've done or what your background is that when you come in here, you just, you're part of the team. Yeah. And now watching that, grow and continue to grow and evolve I'm glad that I didn't make the compromise to to be like you know what okay fine then we'll be like the cool kids club and we'll we'll turn people away or or whatever that means I was like no just keep doing this and and stick with it and over time it might not be the exponential growth we want at the beginning but over time people will always come back to the place where they felt felt welcome yeah exactly that people will never forget how you made them feel and I think it's speaks volumes that you you know stuck to your guns on that and went with a way that didn't necessarily seem so popular in that community. And, you know, people remember that. And I think that made you stick out more than anything else. You know, it made, it made you an oddball for a good reason. Yeah. It's definitely what we, we hear. We hear that so often. They're like, Oh, I heard about this place. I heard it was a really cool community. You're like, yes. <laughs> Success. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what we're striving for. Awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, I had, you know, my husband and I, we had the opportunity to come down to um, six and get in a class there. And I mean, those are the things that are important to me, like, especially if you're no matter what skill level, like I've only, you know, done a spin class like twice before when I lived in Vancouver. And, you know, it's it's really nice when people do treat you with that um, kindness and respect and, you know, help you out and make you feel welcome. And especially if you're in a new um, studio, they're checking out for the first time. And I think it's those like those little things that make an impression, you know, it's the same thing when you go into a restaurant and they go above and beyond in service, you don't think like, Oh, they're too nice here. Like, I'm not going to come here and eat again. Like, they should have been late serving my food. They should have, you know, rushed me out, rushed me out of here. Like, you don't say that for, you know, any other business out there. I don't see why, you know, being nice and going above and beyond and creating a community within a spin cycle should be, you know, looked down on. Yeah, no, it's funny. It was at the beginning when, when I saw kind of that, that trend and I didn't know the city that well, I was told they're like, Oh, that's just Toronto. People like, people like that. People like to be, you know, almost told they're not good enough. And I'm like, that's insane. (laughs) And then Slowly but surely, people were like, wait, this is dumb. Why wouldn't I go to the place where people were nice to me and where the community is awesome? And Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's good. I mean, I, it's, I definitely appreciate it when, you know, when I was there and, you know, love the hospitality of all our instructors. So, I mean, that definitely, you know, left a really great impression on me, um, even though I love you anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, you've you ran the business, you know, you and your, your husband, you know, you're working at it. Um, and I'm sure obviously, you know, as much as, especially with an entrepreneur, it's sometimes hard to, you know, admit that, okay, I need to pass this off. Or, you know, you always want to feel that you want to, you know, have your hands and everything 
or you know maybe you're comfortable with stepping away from the process but is there an is there an area that you feel that you don't excel at that you know you perhaps you've had to delegate to someone else and you know has this happened to have allowed more of your focus to go on to another part of the business that's been able to uh, improve because of it? So, yes. So at the beginning, Sheldon and I had split roles. So his role was like the overall business. So like the admin staff, the number staff, um, the front desk. And my role was the instructor staff. So training them, following up with them, guiding them kind of like scheduling them being in charge of, of that arena. Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of had our separate roles there and we still do. And then since then I've been able to delegate even part of my instructor role. Um, I have Adam who came on as a coach for me. So he helps me while riding in classes, providing feedback. And if someone needs some help with things, working with them one-on-one, as well as he's helped me with the training process of new instructors. We've got three new instructors training right now. And so him and I work together with that, which has helped me out a ton because there's only so much spin you can do in a week before your body starts to give up. Um, So he's helped with that. And then um, he's also been a huge help with social media and, reaching out in the community. He's a photographer, so he takes all of our awesome Instagram photos and he's kind of taken over that arena of posting and engaging with our followers and engaging with our people. Because I found that I was like almost, I mean, you know, because you've coached me, I'm not the best at at that type of stuff. And being like, oh shit, I got to get this in. And then it wouldn't be the quality that I needed it to be because I was like, oh, I got to get my post in today. Ah, and he's actually taken time to be like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to post this. And he's like scheduled a, ca- a calendar and takes the appropriate photos for it. So it's been, it's been a huge help. Amazing. And with that, he's taken on almost like a PR type role for us as well, where he's going out in the community. And when he's already talking to people, he'll be like, Hey, you guys should come try a class at six cycle. And he's <laughs> taken on that, that sort of role as well, which is, I'm also not the best at, cause I'll send out the, the notes to, to reach out to people and then be like, Oh, five days later, I'll follow up. Sorry guys. So (laughs) whoopsie daisy. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. I had no idea that you'd already, you know, passed that down, you know, the social media stuff. I mean, that someone's really just taking, taking care of that for you already. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, I mean, that was a huge thing, especially with like the stories, doing the daily stories with our, our lineup and stuff. And like all of that stuff is made in Photoshop and you just, the time commitment to that is, yeah, is awesome. And I appreciate him so much. Yeah. Oh, big time. That's, a, I mean, that's gotta be a weight off your shoulders. And now, I mean, now you can focus on the other stuff and not have to stress. Yeah. So what is, um, you know, and I'm sure you've, you know, learn from a lot of great people in your life and a lot a lot of great mentors in your life but has there been anyone like any entrepreneur or fellow or another mentor that has stood out to you um that uh you aspire to or that you've you know gained a lot of knowledge from before taking this leap um so there there were a few um the first were the the boys who own the spin studio that i worked at in calgary so I have a tremendous amount of respect for them, it's for YYC Cycle, and for where they came from, for how they started, for the way that they ran their business. 
and the way that they manage their business. Hence why I would, wouldn't open up in a competing city just out of respect um, for, for what they, they showed me so much, not just about how to teach spin and what it means, but um, Warren gave us business advice before we'd even thought about opening a spin studio when we were just looking about, you know, how to select a location and there's so many different things. So I watch them and think that they've done an awesome job and, and one day hope that my brand can can be as recognizable and as awesome as theirs is. Um, and then the other was actually um, Dave and Michelle Laws here in Toronto. They were a huge help to me with, you know, contacts and learning the Ontario way versus the Alberta way, um, as well as watching them cut the cord from their professional career as, as police officers and going all in. I was like, you know what? If those two can do it with a family of four, like four children. I think, I think we can do this. And so watching them and, and talking to them and learning how they did things and what they did was, was a huge driver for me and a huge push. Yeah. They're, um, they're inspiring what they've been able to accomplish and yeah. And with a family of four. <laughs> yeah. Four children. I was like, okay, we got this. Shelby. Yeah. Got, got this. You got, you got two cats. <laughs> yeah. I know. But the fur babies. So yeah, I can't imagine, you know, like doing what they do and managing their time with, you know, that, that, that type of household, it's all the, all the props to them for sure. Um, now, Julie, what kind of advice would you give to someone that's, you know, they've taken, cause you know, we, we there, I feel like there's still people, you know, the gas, the gas and oil industry is kind of, I've seen some statuses, seen some news, like it's kind of, kind of getting back again, but it's not quite where it was. And what would you tell someone that's, been in your shoes and you know has relied on you know the corporate life for so long and has taken a hit like that what what would you tell them I guess um I would ask I would ask them first if their job makes them happy and then I would ask them if they could see themselves doing the job that they're in the same role for the next 20 years and that was the moment for me that I was like oh my god no I can't I don't want to do this again my boss had asked me in a performance review what, you know, what are the next steps? Like, we've got to get you, we've got to get you moving. Where do you want to go? And I was like, well, I don't want your job. And I don't want to do this job forever. So I was like, I don't even know. And then that you know, spins the wheels and you're like, wow, what do I do? So I would ask them if they're happy. I would ask them if they could do their job for the next 20 years. And if they say no, then just, just do it. Dive right in, go all in, have faith in yourself, have faith in, in your ability and, and your idea. Yeah. And, just follow it because at the end of the day, the worst thing that could happen is six cycle closes down and I still have the skill set I had the day before I opened it, this is you know, and, and then I've learned all these lessons along the way, owning this business and, and running it and growing it. If, if it doesn't work out, I'm not worse off. I'm better off yeah. than I was before. So love it. The worst case you end up right back where you were. <laughs> Yeah, this is true. And I mean, you always, I mean, you can always start from the bottom again. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with starting from the bottom. Nope. There's always a lesson to be learned in everything that you do in life. There's always some sort of a positive takeaway, no matter what. So, yeah, big time. Well, Julie, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, You know, it's, 
I give I give you such huge props and kudos for taking the risks that you've that you've taken to to leave that corporate life and be so self aware that you know it it wasn't for you and to have faith in yourself and I think that's you know I think a lot of people can learn um, from from your path and hopefully it inspires a little bit of faith inside of them to take that risk and to go all in. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me, Mindy. I hope you guys enjoyed episode 16. Don't forget, if you are listening in to any of my podcasts, be sure to screenshot them while you're listening to it, upload it into your IG stories, tag Becoming Unfuckwithable, and myself, Mindy Harley Official, on Instagram in your IG stories, and one lucky winner will receive a $50 gift card to Amazon for the month of December. January... I'm going to have something new in store for you guys to win just for listening and sharing the love like you already are. Appreciate you all. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. If you believe you're unfuckwithable, go ahead and share this podcast.